0: You are listening to Road to CEO, nothing but in depth interviews with executives about their journeys as CEO. I'm your host, Will Marlowe, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Road to CEO. I'm here today with Eric Banholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, which is the gold standard of beard care for men. It's actually a lot more than that. We're going to hear all about it today in our discussion with Eric. So, Eric, welcome to Road to CEO. Thanks for joining us. Hell yeah. Excited to be here, man. So, I have a, a, a beard brand story just to share with you here. Um, so probably about four years ago, I was, uh, I decided I was going to grow my beard out and it, you know, it was going to be an eight, nine inch length. And I was watching one of your videos and you said something to the effect of, if you eat like shit, your beard is going to look like shit. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't want to go through all this trouble of growing a beard, you know, it takes a little, you know, it's, you know, it's some effort and I don't want to do it. So I cleaned up my diet you know, I so, so I did that. I, I started having a green smoothie every day. It was, you know, fantastic. I, I reduced alcohol, you know, pretty significantly. Um, ex, my exercise picked up, you know, it was kind of this cascade of positive, uh, behaviors that all kind of started with, with growing that beard and, uh, and, and using the beard brand products. So I just wanted to share that with you. I'm sure you probably hear that kind of thing no, I mean,
1: time. so I, I love to hear that. Like, that's the big reason why uh, we're in, in business. And, and for anyone who's watching the video, you can look over my shoulder. I've got a little flag that says keep on growing. And the purpose of the company isn't to sell products like most companies out there. Our Purpose is really customer focus and how we can uh, really help guys love the person looking back at them in the mirror. Because we believe when those guys love themselves and they use that love as a catalyst to know become better fathers become better partners uh to become better team members better bosses better leaders in the community and ultimately from kind of like a grassroots effort we're able to make the world a better place rather than this kind of top-down strategy that so many people try to employ so it's just helping guys love that person looking back at them and for us and our customers that catalyst is grooming it is like growing a beard out or growing your hair out trying different styles for other guys it could be you know like fashion or the woodworking or, uh, even uh, like exercise, like whatever that catalyst is we support. Um, but of course, very specifically grooming is the catalyst for, for audience and, and who yeah. we try to, uh, to reach out
0: to. That's cool. Yeah. That, that's really cool. So do you hear that kind of story quite a bit? Like, do people share that kind of thing with you?
1: We do, we do. I think there's, you know, customers are, are an interesting thing because I think um different customers get different things out of the the brands that they they support and they buy from so for a lot of people um you know it's just a product right you go to target you buy the beard oil you use it on your beard you enjoy it you go on i think that's probably the majority of customers but we do have a very large portion of our customers who watch youtube videos who understand our brand and what we're trying to do and the message we're trying to convey and uh you know the really the purpose of, of beard brand and for those people it's so much more uh and, and those are really like the customers who I, I target um and i think about with the content we produce you know i think other companies and brands it's you know the mass appeal it's the you know the the 95 percent of customers the the general audience that they try to target and take advantage of but for us you know like like, uh we're entirely bootstrapped. This is my business. It's just kind of like, what do me and my business partners as well as the team, what do we enjoy doing? And how do we make sure we enjoy it? And, and part of the way we enjoy it is by actually having a, a reason why we exist. Yeah. So uh, we, we always come back to that and uh, our mission and what we're trying to do.
0: That 's really cool yeah, and, and I, so i 'd like to to jump on something you said about being bootstrapped. Uh, you know I really respect that as an approach to building a company i I started a, a company before where I had investors, and it went it went fine, but um, I thought I needed the investment, and I really didn 't need it necessarily and Now doing my my next business it 's great to have an approach where you can grow without you know taking outside investment on. Um, is this your first company?
1: <laughs> no, no. So, uh, I, I've, I've got a, a whole wake, of failed project, uh, behind me. I was not a successful entrepreneur, uh, before starting Beard Brand. And I, I think the interesting thing is, um, with business, even though I'm personally pro bootstrapped and I define bootstrapped as just, you know, the founder's money that we put mm-hmm. in nobody else's money. Um, and then growing through profits. I'm not anti investment. I think there are so many different ways to grow a business. And uh, it really depends on the leadership team and their preference and their skills and their talent on the direction that they grow. So I know a lot of people who raise money who are incredible entrepreneurs, and I have a lot of respect for them. And uh, I think what they've built is amazing. So uh, different strategies require different things. And uh, for us and what we desire in life, Bootstrapping um, is a requirement. Freedom is one of our core values at Beard Brand. Uh, freedom very much is an important core value for me and my business partners. And to me, as long as you're, you know, taking money, there's always strings attached. Whether or not like the investors actually are, you know, like holding you accountable or not, like me internally, I mm-hmm. feel that burden. Just like if I had yeah. a mortgage on my house or a loan on my car. For Student loans, like I always feel this burden of wanting to pay it back, and I never feel entirely free until like all the books are are in order
0: yeah i I feel the same way, and, and I mean some businesses, which are phenomenal companies, they have to have capital they have to have mm-hmm. investment, you know you could never build you know um, a billion dollar uh, you know new technology company i mean i mean generally speaking you 're not going to do that without outside growth capital, so yeah, yeah I mean like I, uh, Elon Musk is not going
1: to be able to put people on Mars with, no. uh, you know, the hundred million dollars he has in his bank account. He's no. just like, he can't do that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you have to take money for certain businesses.
0: Yeah. So, um, okay so you 've got a a wake of of other businesses that you started and and so from the outside, when you look at your kind of story, it looks like you know you worked at, I think Merrill Lynch maybe and then and then instantly boom, you were with uh, you, you created beard brand from scratch and and went went perfectly, and all that. So I was going to ask, you know, how did you, you know, how were you able to go into this kind of sophisticated strategy? I mean, e-commerce and and you know, groom, you know, uh, men's grooming products like those are complicated areas. How did you get started? Like, what what led you to to create a company in this space?
1: Yeah. So first thing I want to address, like the the way of failed businesses uh, behind me, because I, I I think a lot of um, podcasts kind of just skim over how easy it was to be successful, and the reality is. Um, uh, my, my first foray into entrepreneurship was more of trading my time for money mm-hmm. where I worked with my dad as an executive recruiter. And this was like 2008, 2009. And I, I, uh, I would not recommend uh, becoming an executive recruiter when everyone's firing people. Uh, <laughs> so it was a very challenging thing. I, I got no placements. I made no money. I essentially just lived off, uh, live off my savings for, I don't know, three months. And then once I kind of saw the writing on the wall that I wasn't going to be successful, I, I started like, you know, kind of going into different directions and not really having focus. Uh, and this was kind of like a period in my life where uh, my wife ended up taking another job in Washington. I tagged along and uh, she was the breadwinner for, you know, really my wife was the breadwinner for the first kind of like 10 years of, of our marriage. We've been married, uh, 16 years and, and, in, um, in May. So, you know, she's the breadwinner. We kind of follow her career and this afforded me the, the ability to kind of like find a job that I enjoyed or, uh, try different projects. So, uh, it was a failed executive recruiter. And then I had this e-commerce business selling vinyl wall graphics that, uh, I think I sold two of them, <laughs> and uh, you know, like I never was able to figure that out. That was in like a 2010 or 11, something like that. I tried to get it off the ground, and then I worked for Merrill Lynch for about a year, year and a half, because frankly, I was just tired of being a loser and uh, failing at everything I was doing, and I just wanted to get some money uh, rolling in. And then I realized uh, I I'm not built to be a financial advisor. I love finance, I love investing, but um, uh, financial advisors are are a different breed of people and and i'm not that breed of people they're great 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 value to society and, and whatnot but so i quit that and then i tried starting some other like projects i had a spokane beard and mustache club which was like a non-profit i had startup spokane which was like this networking group i had uh Bingo, which was a, it would show you results of Google and Bing kind of side by side, right when Bing came out. Uh, and that was always interesting because we got a lot of traffic from Redmond, Washington. Uh, and then, uh, you know, all these just kind of like fluttered out. And then Beard Brand was this idea. It was probably on the same pathway until I was able to convince uh, Lindsay and Jeremy, my business partners, to, to come on board and, and try to change it from this like idea, this, you know, hobby kind of thing where I, I talk about growing beards out and take care of them and having confidence with your style and uh, into something that was, you know, a little more sustainable. And that's when we launched the e-commerce business. And, and luckily, I, I feel like it was kind of the right message at the right time. Uh, and in a new audience, you know, like we, we essentially created, uh, the beard care market back in 2000 um 2012 and then um yeah you know if we any money we made it went all back into the business so i i ate a lot of ramen that first year and i uh, didn't pay myself a dime for the first you know 10 months of the business and then from there it was like 24k a year or something like you know just enough to to kind of um make sure i i felt a little bit of value that i was doing something and then uh yeah. Yeah. It's just been a grind, you know, absolutely a grind, Yeah, uh, but fun. It's a lot of fun building a business.
0: Yeah. So did you always want to to do this? Did you always want to be, the C, be a CEO, be a founder? You know, was that kind of something that you wanted since you were a kid?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, it gets back to the core values, which are very much entwined in, in me and my business partners, uh, as well as the company. Our, our three core values are freedom, hunger, and trust. So like those three words describe me pretty well in the sense that I'm very driven to be free. Like I, I don't do well with instruction. Uh, unfortunately, I tend to be like oppositional defiant. So if you tell me to do one thing, I am going to do the other. And it's just like, you know, it's just dumb stuff. And then, um, but I, I'm very much trusting. I, I think the world is good. I think people are good. I think uh, when you leave people to be free, they're going to make the the best interest uh, in their lives. And I'm not in a position to tell people uh, what to do. And then hunger, you know, like I'm kind of competitive by nature. I want to win. I want to improve. I want to make a mark on the world. I want to leave the world a better place than when I entered it. So those core values uh, are, have been in me since childhood. And I remember like, you know, uh, I was a product of the system. I went to public schools. I went to, uh, uh, university. I got a, you know, a degree in marketing management minor in retail. And, you know, so I was on the, I was on the, you know, the propaganda, uh, propaganda isn't the right word, the indoctrination pathway, you know, where it's like, you just make good grades and then you go to college. And then in college you make great grades and you're going to get a great job and you're going to, you know, climb up the the ranks So that's what I, thought I needed to do for like the first, you know, seven to 10 years of my life was just like work for the man, make a good living. And the thing that that I was drawn to most when it comes to those core values is sales, you know, because in sales, you get a lot of autonomy. You kind of like dictate what your compensation is going to be based on your abilities. I, I had a lot of self-confidence in my abilities as a salesperson. So I was really drawn uh, to, to sales as an industry when working for somebody. Um, but even in that, like I found, you know, the companies that I work for, like I just I would never be on board with their strategy and vision because I'm I'm very strategic as well. Like I that's that's probably like my number one gift in life is, is being able to develop strategies and vision for products and services. Uh, I can probably do that better than, you know, 99 percent of the people out there. Um, so when I, I'm working for a company and I see them going in a, a direction that, you know, doesn't make sense to me. It's very hard to be, you know, a cog of that machine when I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? This is, this is asinine. So entrepreneurship was really the only pathway that, uh, I can do. And, and, you know, at this point, uh, as a 40 year old dude, I'm completely broken. Uh, I, I, no one can ever hire me. I would be the absolute <laughs> you know, uh, worst talent, I, I think All you right. could ever work with, like, I just don't, like, I'm not going to do things that I think are dumb, and I'm not going to do things that, Um. yeah, I'm just going, I'm just going to do the things that I, I see, uh, I find value in, and then also, like, I've experienced freedom, where I'm able to just, like, go to my daughter's uh, events at school when I want to, I don't have to ask for permission, yeah. or I can set my time to go on vacation whenever I want, or, you know, work yeah. whenever I want, so, like, this life that I had, like, I, I can't, I just can't, can't work for the man.
0: Yeah. It'd be hard for you to, to consider selling to Gillette, for instance, I imagine. And, yeah, uh, and, 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 and you know, if yeah, they wanted that's... to hold me on as like CEO or something. So, yeah.
1: you know, to answer your other question, I don't see myself as a CEO. Okay. I am very much like a founder. Um, I do not have the skills of a, a CEO. Uh, I do not have the skills of like a, a COO, an operator. Um, so it would be great to 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 hire a CEO if you know of any any good ones <laughs> that can kind of take the company from you know 10 to 100 is is kind of the next step we need to go.
0: Well, I do interview a lot of CEOs so if I uh, if I see anything that would be good for beard brand I'll let you know. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, if they're not happy and uh yeah. you know like uh, they, uh like e-commerce and and grooming then uh, have them uh, give me a call.
0: So you have three founders? um how does the how does that work with or i mean you have three partners i should say are you are they all co-founders of beard brand
1: yeah yeah so uh jeremy and lindsey uh my my two business partners they were there on uh day one when we uh we we started the company so i kind of say there's like the the start to the lifestyle the idea of beard brand uh which was me uh and then uh and then, about a year later, there was the start of the business and the sustainability mm. and, and what you see uh, as beard brands today, so it, they are very much founders uh, of the company and and they 've been there since the early days, getting it up off, off the ground and and really they're they 're the reason uh we have success so like me left to my own devices uh who would be completely it would just be another one of my failed projects so um yeah 100% of the success can can be attributed to uh to my business partners
0: so i I'm, i remember my first business i had a business partner who was very strong on probably you know he'd be, probably describe him as a great CFO type, you know, has a lot of financial skills, which I do not have. Um, and you can hear my dogs probably in the background. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. the, uh, <laughs> um, so I don't have those CFO kind of skills. I didn't go to school for that. And, and it's just not my natural tendency. Um, and so my partner and I were a great fit for that. You know, I handled certain things. He handled other things. How does it work with your, what, what's the dynamic with your three partners? You know, do they Handle some of the things that you're not strong on. You know, do they? Or do you guys all kind of pitch in just in general? You know, what's that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say uh, <laughs> Jeremy and Lindsay and I—we are actually, you know, like three peas in the pod. We're very similar, very similar skill sets. We're very entrepreneurial. If you take a Myers Briggs, or if you believe in Myers Briggs as a an effective way to measure personalities, we're all ENTPs. Okay. Um, so it's good because we're very much aligned philosophically, but. If it was just the three of us to run a company it would probably not i mean we could make it work for like that first year or something which we did and then you hire people who kind of like fill in around our expertise. Uh, fortunately all three of us kind of understand you know uh cash management and finance mm. a, as well as like vision and strategy so i'm kind of uh how is how our team's broken up now is uh, i would say like i'm the the vision and the strategy for anything like outside of beard brand and then my Lindsay is the strategy and the vision for anything within beard brand so it's like building the team the team culture uh accountability operations making sure all the products uh, are are available to sell and then i'm i'm kind of that that point. and then jeremy is is kind of like uh you know the, the 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 best way to describe it would be like a board member so he, he's not active in the business at all he doesn't get a salary um but uh, he comes in as like kind of almost like an outside party to be able to to give different perspectives. And, and it's been great because, you know, if like Lindsay and I get in this spat, um, which 10 years in doesn't happen very much, but in the early days it happened, you know, almost daily. He'd um, be able to kind of like learn and understand what's going on and then kind of, you know, almost be like a therapist to a certain degree to be able to to help us work through our issues. So it's been really nice, I think, having you know two business partners or three people is a a great relationship assuming they're all kind of like entrepreneurial people they're they're uh, able to understand because no one's ever going to understand your business like a business partner will yeah and just being able to 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 have them on your side makes the journey so much less lonely. uh to be able to commiserate and and share your frustrations and to celebrate your wins, you know, like if you have a very profitable month or something like that, you can't can't necessarily do that with your, you know, your team members or your employees or uh, your uh, vendors for sure, or your, your customers. So, um, you know, it, it's sure, just so. great, in my opinion, to, to have business partners. And I know there's people out there who do it by themselves. And you know, like mad respect to anyone who can do it by themselves, because I certainly uh, do not have that ability.
0: Well, so for me, I started off with a business partner, it was a great experience. I then um, that business was acquired. And then I went and I ultimately decided I wanted to do another business, which I did on my own. For the first four years, I think I was on my own. And they were and, and then and then I brought on a partner for you know, since then, you know, for the next five years or so. And, you know, I would say that for all the challenges that having partners can create, you know, that four year period where I was on my own was probably my least favorite in most yeah. ways. I And mean, just, you know, and pr- probably that says something about how fortunate I am to have had good partners. But because I do know people who where it's been a horrible experience, it's risky. And, and, you know, it doesn't work out.
1: Well, I mean, uh, the the best analogy, is you know like your personal relationships. Like I prefer being married over being single. Yeah, being single is great. I can go out whenever I want. I can you know you know like in theory I could bang everybody I wanted to bang and like have alcohol and booze. But the reality is like that's not a very fulfilling experience. And the beauty of marriage is you know you 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 get those really intimate relationships and deep relationships. And then you also uh, i mean of course this could happen as a single person but you get to have a family and raise a family and and kind of like build multiple generations so it's just like to me the same thing happens with a business like the business is the child right and you you're, the business partners are the, the the parents of it and it's kind of their responsibility to to see that business grow and thrive and and to be able to do it with uh, you know someone who you highly respect and enjoy being around really does Make the experience great. So, I mean, I, I like to brag. Like, I've been married, you know, 15 years, and and I've had, um, you know, a successful business partnership with with two business partners for nine years. And uh, I, to me, like, I'm very proud of my, my ability to maintain relationships with with people who I value and and uh, respect.
0: So, I, I have a similar thing where I am very proud of the tenure of the people on my team, so I really want you know I, I say my goal is to have cl- clients for life I mean I have an ad agency a marketing firm, so it's a services business, and so you know one of the things I do say is i like i want i aim to have customers for life because there's no reason why unless the bus- their business goes away that they you know ideally they'll And if just you're an ad
1: agency stuff. they shouldn't yeah. right they shouldn't <laughs> exactly exactly
0: so so they should be so it's um so that's what I want and then but what I really want also are team members for life. You know, so I want it. So my, I see part of my job. Maybe the biggest part of my job is to make the company so good that people don't want to leave. And so it has to keep getting better and better for the people around who, who work here. And I think that that you know. And I remember when I worked on Capitol Hill because that was my first experience out, actually out of college. When I was a press secretary for a member of Congress. And one of the things I learned was this was right during the Jack Abramoff scandals and all of that. Like back, I don't even two thousand five. Um, and so there was just all these ethics controversies at the time, and what I learned was the the unethical congressmen are the ones who can 't keep a staff, so when you look and you see okay that they, they, a congressman 's been there for ten years and he 's cycled through ten chiefs of staff, there's was a reasonable chance that something bad is going on in that he's office. a
1: psychopath yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so I, I kind of remember, always remembered that didn't, never wanted to to build an organization that, that couldn't, that was, that didn't keep people, you know, keep people happy. So that, that was a, a real motivator for me.
1: Yeah. I think it's, uh, that, that's a challenging thing as a, a business partner. Cause if, if you're doing it right, your business needs, especially as a bootstrap from like zero to one is going to change a lot, uh, in that time period. Like, so in the early days, you really need to hire kind of like jack of all trades, people who can do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats or rate, really great at building, putting out fires and then kind of like that, that one to 10, you need to start focusing on like specialized people who are like really good at the the things they do really good at building operation or, uh, you know, SOPs and do- documenting what they're doing. Uh, and I feel like those are two different people. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's very much, uh, realistic that, uh, sometimes a company will outgrow, um, the, the team members. And sometimes yeah. you get like freaking phenomenal team members who are just so amazing. You can't hang on to them. Like they're, they're a rocket ship and you're just like grateful for, you know, the year or two years that they spent working on beard brand, but they're just going to go off and do amazing things. So we've had, you know, kind of uh, experiences with, with both where, uh, just some, some beautiful, wonderful, talented individuals have worked on Beard Brand And then it's just it's like, look, like I can't afford you anymore. Like you, you deserve all the money that you can get paid in the marketplace. Uh, you know, like I thank you for your time, and you know, don't be a stranger. Uh, you're always welcome back at the beer. You know, so um, I think some entrepreneurs really get hung up on on uh, wanting to 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 keep employees forever as as a testament, like you. And and I think it's fair where you have those expectations up front, and you're looking for that talent, and you can be clear, like this is what the company is going to be like this is what your growth path can be like and then uh kind of go from there but um yeah and employees is a really challenging part of business I, I don't think i ever realized how hard it is to to hire uh to train to to set expectations to be clear to help like get all the things from here to them with as little distortion as possible and uh i think you're always going to get some kind of distortion but uh you know it's it's a hard thing it's a hard thing in fact uh, on my newsletter uh, it's in draft mode right now i'm talking about like what are my real thoughts as a boss about my team um you know completely unfiltered like this is what me as a boss thinks about my team and uh you know kind of put it on paper and yeah. share it to the world
0: so is that newsletter is that something you send out specifically only to your team no, 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 no,
1: This is a uh, Twitter. Uh, okay. Twitter so that's newsletter.
0: the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I
1: got like a hundred, hundred subscribers, big, big newsletter.
0: No. Okay. All right. I get it. I get that's it. got
1: got it somewhere, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, absolutely. I feel like, you know, you've successfully grown to hundreds of thousands, if not more uh, followers on social media. So I'm sure your, your newsletter is going to grow as well. Sure. Um, so, um, okay. So I always like to ask you, you know, are there, are there things that you wish you'd known before you started, that you know that you know now that you wish you could have gone back and like done differently when you were in the early days of beard brand
1: well so a couple of things in the early days i'm wearing my uh, carolina gamecocks shirt that's where i went to college uh, my minor in retail was actually very beneficial because that's where i learned about like keystone pricing uh, markup things like that so i'm very grateful that we we're able to set the the price point of the products in a way that allow the, the company to be sustainable and to grow, mm. have profits in the the rate margin. So that was one thing I was very grateful of. Um, the, <coughs> excuse me. The team member thing is something I had no idea. And maybe that would be something that I wish I had the skills, how to hire, how to set expectations. Yeah. There's, a, there's a book called uh, or, or uh, uh blueprint called EOS entrepreneur operating system which okay. uh i wish i read you know like uh, in month number or 10 or something like that and that's just like a great framework for how to hire and how to you know set expectations and things like that so we we always did kind of like the mission and the core values we had that down but you know just like the KPIs and accountability yeah. we we didn't know too well
0: okay i see um So in terms of, you know, the technology stack that you guys use, um, you know, you are, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a a men's care product, but it's an e-commerce company in, or at least the origins were as an e-commerce company, I believe. And now you sell through Target as well as on your website and all that, you know, how important was it for you to really understand the, you know, the technology behind the e-commerce systems that, uh you know, that the company relied on?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to the early days, uh, I, I was a self-taught designer. So I used to build websites and, you know, design stuff. So I designed the beard brand logo, for instance. A lot of the early day packaging, I did all that. Uh, and I built the, the websites as well. I had a really good conversation with an entrepreneur buddy of mine before I started beard brand. He was selling uh, Subway Tile. I think it's like subwaytile.com. Or something. And uh, he, at the time he was doing a quarter million dollars. I was like man that's just so much that's huge you know know, like my my brain couldn't like fathom like how much sales that was I was like I can't I can't ever think of of being a company that big and then uh he he talked about like at the time I I I built my vinyl wall graphic business on uh, Magento Mm. and Magento would you know crash every you know like 20 days or something like that and it was just like it needed like heavier servers. It needed more infrastructure. It was just like a high maintenance thing. And I had the capabilities to build out another Magento store and kind of like build, you know, like a really customized thing. But I'm like, from an e-commerce perspective, I'm not in the business of um, building websites. I'm in the business of you know, helping men love the person looking back at them in the mirror. So the time I spend doing anything that is not that mission is time wasted in the business. And so from an early day, he's, he's just like, go with Shopify. Don't overwhelm the decision. You know, like there's other good options, big commerce, you know, uh, I haven't used any other new ones, but like Squarespace and, um, go with any of them. It doesn't really matter you don't want your brain power going to that you want your brain power going to how can you improve your customers lives yeah. and that was like a really important lesson for me in the early days that uh, i held closely and it was just like fulfillment i'm not in the business of putting stuff in boxes i don't want to be doing that you know like manufacturing i'm not in the business of putting things like in jars like get it out of here so really focusing on the things that uh, improve our customers lives you know, making great products, that is something we have to do. Like we design and develop products in-house, you know, customer service. We do that in-house. We can't, you know, outsource that kind of experience. So, so it's just, it's like really understand what are your core values or your core functions as a business, what you need to be doing. And then, you know, everything else you outsource.
0: So I feel like, um, that's a hard lesson for a lot of folks to learn who are in the, the C-suite, um, did you was it was it that conversation with that friend who told you to go to Shopify? Don't worry about like just focus on the things that matter. Was that was that where you really absorbed that as a lesson? Or did you learn that from books as well? Like what like how how was that process for you?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, uh obviously being around like minded people uh yeah. is, is beneficial, but uh there are uh some books that were influential in my days. You know, in the very early days, like four hour work week, it was like that's what he talked about. You're working for four hours. Everything else is done by somebody else. You have VAs. Da, 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 da. Uh, Another book was uh, Andy Kessler's Eat People, uh, which is a similar concept about, you know, just like focusing on the things that you do best and outsourcing the rest. And then um, Lean Startup by Eric Rice mm-hmm. or Eric Reese um, uh, is another great example of just trying to be as lean as possible because the more you do in-house, like if I was a manufacturing company and then I got to buy... A building, I gotta buy mixing equipment, I gotta buy ingredients. You know, so all this energy and brain power is going to these things. And I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, because they're so great at solving problems and seeing how it could be done better than it's currently done, they 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 neglect the one of the things that they have uh the biggest scarcity of, which is like time and brain power and energy. So you're spending decisions on like how do I make sure um you know my products are in the warehouse properly so i can pick faster rather than that brain energy going to like how can i communicate our message to the largest audience of relevant people and the more time you spend on the the latter uh, the the more rapid your business will be able to grow
0: yeah i i think that's great and and like i said i think a lot of people do struggle with that and it seems like you know the ones that are successful at some point have to figure that out because there are so many things we could be focusing on, and many of them don't it don't move the ball down the field. So
1: yeah, uh, yeah. entrepreneurship is is, is simply um, being able to prioritize problems and then solving those problems, yeah. and it's never-ending. Absolutely, it never ends. So if you don't like solving problems or you get tired of solving problems, do not become an entrepreneur because it will never end. Whether it's a you know like off the ground doing a thousand bucks a month kind of business or a hundred million dollar company or like a trillion dollar company like you know what jeff Bezos is running like they're all dealing with like scarcity right scarce resources scarce time scarce money um you know even uh, jeff and, and elon wish they had more money and more resources because they could do more so uh the same thing happens with the bootstrap company is like that scarcity allows us yeah. to to focus and prioritize and. The most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who are really good at prioritizing and solving problems.
0: Yeah. 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 I I see that as well. Now you, you seem like you have done a really good job of that. You know, you are, you know, you know, just from what you're talking about here, you know, it sounds like you have organized things so that you are focused on things that matter. And, you know, I'm assuming things you kind of like, um, are there any aspects of your current job or as it's currently configured that you really don't like anything? Like, is there like a least favorite job for that you have right now in terms of being, you know, leading, leading beard brand?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think the beauty is uh, of building the company is essentially you're able to build a company that um, you enjoy. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes feel like they're a, a slave to the business and they kind of have to do things that yeah. they don't want to do. Uh, You know, like uh, as a fair point, like I've never hired an executive assistant. Uh, And so part of me is like, man, it would be really nice to have somebody like help me out, schedule my calendar and things like that. But then I always feel like guilty about, you know, taking company resources for things like that, where I should be able to just manage my own calendar. So, uh, you know, for the most part, my day is uh, revolves around uh, creating content. Uh, in fact, this was one of my newsletter articles, like what do I do as a boss, but it's creating content. I have a podcast as well that I do. Uh, and then my YouTube content and then advertisements and education. Uh, and then, uh, I do, um, you know, product decisions and design. So I'm part of the the product team and then, uh, branding. I just kind of oversee the brand. I'm not doing a lot of the, I don't do any of the production for any of those elements. Uh, and then like the strategy of, how we're going to grow, what we're going to focus on, uh, just bringing all the pieces together, the talent together. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say I enjoy it. I think the things I enjoy least is just like whenever I feel like I have to do something. So uh, on YouTube, we have to upload a video, you know, like once a month or once every couple weeks. And then that starts to feel more like Hmm. a job rather than a choice. And the thing is, like, I love creating content. And I love telling stories, but just like when it's on a schedule or it becomes a little monotonous and you get burnout from that. Uh, so that was probably actually, uh, one of the most challenging things is is creating content for, for uh, YouTube and I've been doing it for like 10 years.
0: So yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah, I um and and I, I can relate to that that very well. I mean, I I can't stand doing things that I'm supposed to do. You know, I want to I just I just I like I like being freeform and uh sure. you know that that's that's very tricky. Um but yeah, I I think I think that's very very interesting. Um you know, um uh, what what do you um what do you do to, to distract yourself from work? I mean it sounds like you've got a really good job. you don't need to distract yourself, but do you have anything going on that's uh kind of that kind of disconnects you you know meditation that sort of thing
1: yeah, well, I feel like I spend more time being distracted than actually being productive. <laughs> I'm like probably the the least productive you know founder out there like i've I've just like hacked my way to uh like through laziness and things like that to to do anything, so I actually spend a lot of time. Uh, researching YouTube videos and getting ideas and inspirations for a channel. But uh, I was a rower uh, until I was kicked off the team, uh, going back to one of my oppositional defiant moments. Uh, but weightlifting has been a big thing for me since uh, uh, a lot of the country locked down. So being able to, to lift weights, uh, I built a home garage out of that. And then uh, I've got a family, so I've got two little ones. And uh, I've been like itching to just kind of travel the world. Or, or go on road trips and stuff like that. So uh, we just got back from a road trip to to New Orleans uh, with my uh, two little ones. So that was kind of like a, a good test to see what we can do is like an eight hour trip. And nice. you know, it wasn't without its, its painful moments, but uh, yeah. I've got good, good, tough kids. So we'll see if we can uh, hit the road a little bit more.
0: So um, uh, I've also gotten really into weightlifting lately. I think it's a great thing for CEOs to do. Um, you know, you see you can see progress, like growth, all of that stuff. Um, I've been following a program from a, a guy in Texas, um, uh, I think Mark Ripito, who does, yeah, he does a program. Starting What's that? Starting Strength. That's right, Starting Strength. Yeah, yeah, it's a great program. Um, is that the type of thing you're doing or are you doing something different?
1: Yeah, well, it's a funny, funny you mentioned him. Uh, one of my friends uh, <clears throat> is Matt Reynolds, who owns the company Barbell Logic. And him and, uh, uh, Mark, I think used to work together on starting strength and, uh, they, they kind of went their other paths and, and, uh, I don't think there's any, you know, ill will or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, so Matt, you're a barbell logic guy. (laughs) I'm a barbell logic guy. And and I think the program is the same. I think it's like very barbell focused, you know, squats, deadlifts, uh, overhead presses, bench presses are, are, you know, primarily what I'm doing with a little bit of pull-ups mix in there and then we do a asynchronous coaching so uh, I'll film myself um, doing the workout upload it to my coach and then within 24 hours he'll give me feedback and make adjustments to my thing so it's like no brain power he's talking about being efficient with your time if you're wanting to maintain your health and this is the thing that I want to remind anyone listening right here is like you have one machine to get you through life and this is it like you're Your body is that machine. If you don't take care of it, you're not going to be able to do amazing things in the world. And it's, it makes me so sad to see how many people neglect their body. So you got to put healthy foods in like real foods. And then you've got to, you know, you've got to put strain on that body and then you got to keep your, your mental health, uh, in check as well. So go to therapy or, or however you can do mindfulness, things like that. Um, but the coaching is great because like, I don't have to think about what am I lifting today? How much do I lift? It's just like, do these exercises, record it, come back. So I can still keep that brain power and that energy going into my business. And I'm only paying, you know, it's only a couple hundred bucks a month for a coach to be able to do this remotely. It's just a, a no brainer in my opinion, yeah. to, to be able to get a, a coach like that. And then because I have a home gym, I don't have to worry about, you know, fighting over people in, in the gym to be able to get to space. So it's just an incredible investment of time. I would highly recommend it if uh, uh, you want to get your body in shape to be able to live another. I'm 40, so I want to live another 60 years. And I got to make sure I'm, I'm I'm doing all the things right now to make sure my body can uh, withstand uh, adversity over the next 60 years.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I think, I think you know, I, I do wrestling coaching as a just, you know, outside of the business. And, um, so I'm work with kids and, you know, in high school kids and, uh, you know, they beat up my body. They, but it does, you know, going through that, it, you know, if you don't use your body, if you don't, you know, you know, basically, you know, if you stop running, you you eventually, you can't run anymore. If you don't jump, then you lose that ability to jump. So, you know, being able to to go through these types of activities where you're under tension and stress and all that, it keeps you, you know, in you know it keeps you in strength and so yeah to me that's one of the most important things that anybody can do
1: yeah you have to you have to challenge your body you have to challenge your mind too um like you have to like if you sit around on the beach all day drinking margaritas you're going to become pretty shitty at solving problems and making decisions like you have to actually be doing that stuff pretty regularly to, to be able to be successful at it i've noticed like my abilities to execute on basic tasks has just completely plummeted the more i get into like the strategic side of thing and the more Mm. that my time goes in like Mm. replying to an email uh or like scheduling like a calendar all that stuff i'm just like completely incompetent at it but when i was a salesperson i never missed a meeting you know like i was always on time i knew like the 10 people i was meeting with for the day like i had it all buttoned up and then now it's just like what day is it?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, to get back to something you said about you not wanting to, you feeling guilty about spending company money on an assistant. I remember one of my, you know, best mentors said to me early on that he doubled the size of his company when he finally bought, you know, kind of bought the bullet and bit the bullet and, uh, you know, and hired a personal assistant. Um, I think you should do that personally. So I'm going to just put a little plug in when I did it, it was tremendous, you know, and now it's so it's interesting. So I got, I got, a personal assistant, you know, maybe eight, nine years ago. Um, That person was tremendously helpful. Um, I don't have a personal assistant at the moment. You know, that person and ultimately moved on after like five, six years or whatever. I did not replace her. Um, And that, but the team had gotten bigger. So I no longer really needed, needed that, that same role, but at the time it was life changing. And I really mean that it was truly life changing Um, and I'm starting, I think if I got a personal assistant now, I don't think it would be on that level of value to me, but it would be tremendously helpful for scheduling interviews and, and, you know, doing other types of activities, you know, kind of throughout the day. So, you know, I'm not sure where you are with all that, but I do think if you've not had a personal assistant, I think it is, it could be, it could be very valuable given that you, you know, you're saying that you do have those challenges now with, uh, you know, maintaining your own schedule and all that stuff
1: yeah i mean it's, it's kind of like in theory i've, I've got a team of, of about 10 people so i have like 10 assistants that, yeah. who are helping me accomplish the things that yeah. that i do so i do definitely have a lot of uh things you know i i think about like what would i have that person doing you know like was your personal assistant local or were they remote it was and, she was local yeah so it's like and then do i have them help with like You know going to get laundry and you know just like all the things that kind of happen on the day-to-day basis like getting my car re-registered like all that would be a wonderful help um or would i feel guilty about that should it be just you know kind of like business related things like just assisting with things within the business i don't know like so i do think uh, those are
0: good questions i mean those are good questions i i would i would turn it back around and just say like well would that lead to to you you know, projecting more of yourself and, and, and putting more of yourself into the business. And and if so, then yeah, maybe you would have that person doing all those personal things. Um, I could see the case for not putting it on the business and just paying, you know, but but then at the same time, for a business like yours, I feel like it's, it, you know, I'm not sure what the difference really would be versus, you know, you paying for it versus the, the business paying for it. Yeah, but, I think
1: that for me, it's, you know, making sure the uh, business
0: partners were
1: Right. I feel like I'm not taking advantage of of the company for a personal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, you know, I think that the devil's in the details on it, but I I do think that um, it could be something that really adds a lot of value perhaps. And uh, you know, so, so I, I would be of the, of the opinion, I'm of the opinion that generally speaking, a CEO should, should, experiment with that. If, if it's something where you can make a a good case for it, like if there's, if there are activities that you think would, would really, you know, lighten your load. Cause I've just yeah. firsthand seen how, how much the business has benefited when, when I did it. Now I may have been a special case because I was also, I'm particularly unorganized uh, left to my <laughs> own devices. <laughs> so, uh, I think, I think, I think it was, it was actually maybe less of a choice and more of a necessity that I did it when I did it. But, uh, but yeah. now I'm, I'm, I'm better. So, uh, now, okay, so the next question I want to ask is, um, where is Beard Brand going? You know, what is the, what, what, what's your, what's your hope for it? Do you want it to be a fortune 500 company? Do you want it to be, you know, a, like, what, what, what do you want it to be from a, you know, this, from the CEO's chair here? Like, you know, what, what are your goals?
1: Yeah. So, um, um, I think it was like 2014 or 15, my business partners and I, we had, uh, a lot of disagreements with where the company was going and what our, you know, how our roles within that company uh, was going to go. Around the time we were doing about $3 million in revenue. And um, we were just like, you know, fighting amongst ourselves. Like I wanted to not pay ourselves anything and grow at all costs and put all the, you know, profit we had back into the business and see the business grow. And then my business partner, Uh, She was like, you know, like she doesn't feel like her time is being appreciated in that Mm. because there is not equal amounts of ownership. So there's just kind of disincentives. So, you know, we had a good like conversation, kind of like an open, honest conversation, dialogue, talking about, you know, why she felt that way, why I felt this way. And ultimately, we came to the, the, the realization and I'm a little hard-headed, so <clears throat> came to the realization at three million dollars. If you have twenty percent profitability, that is a uh, what six hundred thousand dollars. And then you know you leave half of that into the business, and then uh, you know you split that three hundred among your team and uh, or among the founding team, and you you have a good life. You have a roof over your head. Yeah, you can pay your bills. You can travel. You have the freedom. So. Uh, if you're a, a solopreneur, that's like a one and a half million dollar company, you know, like, mm-hmm. or a one million dollar company, and and you can live the life um, that no one gets to live, like you've won life's lottery. So like, I, I always come back to like, whenever we struggle, or we try to hit the new, new growth patterns, or we try to grow at all costs, and, and we're not very profitable. Uh, I remind myself is like, hey, you know, just get back to that. profitability uh, of whatever size that company is, is going to be fine. We're going to have a roof over our head and food on the table and let's enjoy the journey. So, So my purpose isn't really focused on outcomes. I'm not focused on revenue growth or customers acquired. I'm focused on how do we in the moment, live in this moment and enjoy the journey and enjoy solving the problems that we're solving. And then whatever the outcomes are, be content with those outcomes. Uh, I know I'm hungry. I know I'm driven. Uh, I know I'm going to want to make the business better. Uh, and I think we are making the business better. But uh, I don't want to, you know, get hung up on tying my ego and my identity with the size of the business or the growth rate of the business. Instead, I just want to focus on the now and, and join the, the business. Now, with that being said, there's a lot going on for Beard Beardbrand. Uh, it's a big year for us. It's our 10th year anniversary. We're evolving our packaging. We're uh, making some difficult decisions with our product offering, streamlining our products, mm-hmm. so less is more, uh, and really trying to build the foundation for the company to, you know, accelerate into the next 10 years. So uh, uh, it's kind of like a transitionary year for us uh, mm-hmm. where we focus on how we can improve our operations, which from a consumer perspective might be a little boring, but it, it is going to be the things that allow us to just level up our foundation and then to be able to grow
0: from there. Okay. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's great. I mean, I think that, that whole philosophy is a very good recipe for success. I know, um, you know, just to, to relate it for a moment to wrestling coaching, you know, when you're focused on winning, you know, you really want to be number one. You want to be a state champion. State tournament is, starts Friday. So I'm thinking of, that's all I can really think about right now. But um, <laughs> the, my business um, so,
1: partner, he's a, he's a wrestling coach too. So. Oh, is he really? Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so, so I hear a lot about it.
0: Okay. Very good. Okay. So you can, you're, you're used to this. So, you know, so if, um, if you, but if you're, if you go out there and you're really overly focused on the outcome and you know, that's all I want, that does not really help you perform better. You know, in fact, it takes away from your ability to execute because instead of using your mental energy on hitting your next move, you know, or, or if it's practice, just improving and performing, you're, you're anxious, you're about something that doesn't contribute to your, you know, like anxiety is okay if you're anxious about something that drives performance, but if you're anxious just, oh, I hope I'm number one, or I hope I'm number four, like to qualify or whatever, then, you know, that hurts you. And I I firmly believe that in business, the same is true. You know, if you're over, but I don't think most business owners and and CEOs have the same attitude that you do in terms of you know being able to really clearly see you know we've won the lottery if if we're able to have an amazing life, we're able to control the business, we're able to to create meaning for people. You know, I I don't think most people have. I think most CEOs probably do have a a a more narrow minded focus on you know twenty percent profit or twenty you know growth every year and this that and the other thing. so I think it that is, is hard. I, it is
1: things. hard because, you know, like, so like podcasts, uh, uh, you know, they always highlight, what are your numbers? What are your growth? Yeah. What, you know, like, what are you doing? How many customers you have? How did you do that? You know, it's never yeah. focused on like, are you enjoying it? Like, do you yeah. like this business? And uh, uh, on my podcast, uh, you know, I tend to to ask those kind of questions. Like, you know, why, why are you doing this? Like why are you doing the things that are going to make your life miserable? Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, like, Sometimes they're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Why?
0: <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting also is when you're overly focused on metrics, you can't really do new things. Exactly. Like, like for instance, I was just talking to somebody who wants to do a podcast, wants to create, cause you know, I mean, everybody wants to do a podcast and um, you know, they, but they are really focused on, well, what's the ROI going to be? Well, that's yeah. going to be, I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's tough to say. Like, it's going to be. So, I mean, I always say be negative.
1: <laughs> like there you you're go. Not to, you're not going to get your money back. Huh? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Let's be real. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I. So, I mean, my answer to that person was, well, I'm really focused on the relationships. I like the process of podcasting. I get a lot out of that. And you know, if that works, then. You know the metrics are kind of a bonus if you're if you reach a lot of people or if you do you know or if you hit whatever you consider to be a something that makes it worthwhile. But yeah. I, I want to divide that into things that are you know that don't depend on those types of numbers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because uh, to a certain degree, like I don't know, I, I get it both ways. I get people who are very like goal oriented, very you yeah. know metric oriented. I, I think they probably do. Um, perform at a higher level um, than than maybe people who just kind of focus on the inputs. Um, but I just don't feel like it's a very sustainable way. I feel like it's a very ego-driven way. Uh, there's an author, James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits, which I, I really align closely with just this idea that you can make small changes in your life that can have a big impact. And it's just like, what are we focusing on now? And it can be really tiny, like switching from you know, Cokes to water. Like that's one small little change, but it's just gonna have such a big compounding effect on your life uh, over the years, you know. Uh, Try to get salad every time for for a side versus french fries. You know, like just that one small change. Anytime there's an option on the menu for fries or salad, even if you have to pay more for it, just get the the vegetables, you know, like, um, what are the small changes you can make on life? Because once those become habits, you build up on it, you build up on it. And then, uh, you know, by the end of it, you've you've built a pretty well oiled machine for lack of better terms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you've got a podcast. So right now people can find you, they can find the company at beardbrand.com. Um, they can find you, you're, I don't think you're on Instagram anymore, but you're on Twitter. Um,
1: Twitter, Twitter is my number one social media platform. Okay. Uh, you found me on LinkedIn, and that's like a hit and miss. Like, I'll go months without checking LinkedIn. So, I would recommend hitting Excellent. up Twitter first.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And then, what, what about your podcast? Where, yeah. Where so, my podcast
1: is called uh, e commerce conversations. So, clearly, we're talking about e commerce things. Uh, and then, if you go to Twitter, uh, I think there's a little banner to, to subscribe to my newsletter, which are going to be more of like my random thoughts. So, it'll probably be like business business and like, uh, self-improvement tend to be the things that I think about the most. Uh, so it's not very beard focused. If you want beard focused content, head over to our YouTube channel or head over to beard brand.
0: Well, I'm already very familiar with that, but I'm looking forward to checking out your podcast. I hope everybody goes out and buys some beard brand products if, uh, if that's what they need. And, um, you know, I, I recommend them. I, I, I like them. I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the beard oil that I, I like. Um, it's not old money. It's uh, it's the uh, smoke.
1: Temple um, smoke. Yes. Temple smoke. Yeah. That's
0: temple smoke. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. That's okay. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, um, I keep doing what you're doing. I really, you know, uh, I've admired your company for a long time. Really appreciate you sitting down.
1: Yeah. It's been a great little chat and uh, keep on growing.
0: Yeah.